0: Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim
1: and Shannon.
0: It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome to Right Spokane Perspective on this Tuesday episode. It's the second day of the year. We're going to jump into a show about prayer with Cindy Zapataki, and I'm going to be giving up a prayer today because Shannon is off caring for our elders. And so the the prayer I want to talk about is... Something I guess we're gonna have a whole show about prayer, but I wanna think about those people that are serving on the front lines, not just overseas, but here in our own neighborhoods. And so I'm gonna jump into that prayer and we'll have that conversation coming up. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, all the gifts that you've given us in the past year and the gifts that you'll be bestowing on us this year, and Lord. Please be with those frontline people, those police officers, where we're warned about the coming crises in 2024 and and political unrest. That you're with those first responders, keeping our community safe and sane. And Lord, also those medical professionals that worked through the holidays, that were dedicated and steadfast to people that that needed their time and expertise in their times of emergency and illness. Lord, and and just be with all of those other servant leaders that you have, you know, put into place in power, or or maybe Satan put them into place of power, but be with them. You know, we need to pray for those that are our enemies politically, that are our friends politically, and and those who just need wisdom, Lord, and please give those leaders wisdom that they would serve the people in a righteous manner and would fend off evil desires and activists in leading us forward and all that. In your precious name, amen. So we have Cindy Zapataki in studio with us today. She's going to talk about prayer. She is the president of the Citizens Alliance for Property Rights, former president 2009 and 2010 of the Spokane County GOP, also a co-president of the 2017 uh, Spokane Lilac Festival. She came all the way into the studio braving the fog and the ice. So thanks for coming in, Cindy.
1: Good to see you, Tim.
0: So you want to talk about prayer today because uh, right Spokane perspective, we always pray on this show and we want to make sure our prayers are good we got to pray for those we love also our enemies and oftentimes we find ourselves in a place where we want to be law abiding citizens but oftentimes it's the our biggest enemy is the government even though we want to be those law abiding citizens so we have a government that we have elected and is going to be meeting here in about a week we're talking January 8th for the legislative session to begin here in Washington and and you want to have this prayer guide on on Right Spokane Perspective. you were going to be getting that up soon. Tell us some background on that, Cindy.
1: Well, Tim, I've been involved in a lot of community activities, and all the way along I have been literally, like Abraham Lincoln said, driven to my knees in prayer because it's difficult work, just like you said with the first responders. The more involved you get with people and the more involved you get with trying to fashion policies that will make our community a safe and moral place the more you get on your knees and pray.
0: I think it's interesting that you brought in Abraham Lincoln because he was not a believer. He was more agnostic as a young man. And as he got into government, I think he ran for office like nine times and lost. And he finally won. And then once he gained that place of power where he thought he would bring in like ideas almost that were socialist. He looked at the power and what he had to do to lead and it drove him to his knees and made him become a Christian.
1: That's right. And I think that is the way it is with a lot of people. It's serious business, life and death. People are depending on you to make good decisions. And so as a Christian, I have done a lot of praying and I've met people who pray and I have been blessed by people who prayed for me. And so because of that, I have been really concerned that we pray as Christians, and that's what I love about your program, that you pray.
0: We pray. Well, you know, It's on this show, it's a lot of politics, and I believe politics is kind of a blood sport, and if any sport wants to continue, they have to pray before they hit the field. We have a lot of sports that just don't do that anymore, and maybe that's why there's so many injuries in sports. They just don't pray before they play.
1: Well, you could even say, why are there so many injuries in the Christian community? Because... I don't believe that we pray as much as we should and it took me a long time to learn that I needed to talk to God about things that were bothering me before I lost my temper or blundered ahead where I thought I should go. And as Christians, we try to believe that God wants us to seek his guidance so that we make wise decisions. And so it's a discipline. Prayer is a discipline.
0: It's a discipline and it's difficult. I I think about you know, the next holiday that we're going to be celebrating, we did Christmas, the birth of Christ. We're going to be looking towards spring holidays. And you think about the death and the resurrection of Christ, his final prayer, he prayed for his enemy and we're called to pray for our enemies. And and that's hard, praying for your enemies. And he said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I, I think that the enemies we have that are either in government or in our communities that are making horrible decisions, I don't think they do know what they do. I think that they're being led uh, with ill-intentioned, ill-intentioned people that are asking for these decisions to be made. And the outcomes are, you know, on the taxpayers and, and really people's, not just souls that are damaged, but their livelihoods, the the future, generational families that are pushed into poverty because of policies that make life so difficult.
1: Absolutely true. And that's what we're seeing with the homeless people. And these are very, very hard things. And I think prayer is absolutely essential. If we as Christians are going to try to move ahead and participate in the process of making our community safe for everyone, we need God's guidance. I think we believe that as Christians. It's interesting. I have some scriptures here that I brought in. So we are very familiar with this quote from the Apostle Paul. He was instructing Timothy, who was a disciple, who was going to be one of the first leaders of the church. And this is what Paul wrote to Timothy. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone for kings and those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness this is good and pleases god our savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth i want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing and that's what paul said and then later he said this in thessalonians 1 thessalonians 5:16 through 17 Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And you know, it's interesting, I was reading that verse, and it's so easy to whine and fuss because we have so many homeless people in Spokane, but what this verse makes me think is that we also have an opportunity in Spokane to come up with solutions to problems, It's a challenge and it's hard to see people suffering the way many of these people are. And yet, what does God do? He calls us to try to help the poor, to help the needy, to help people that are in trouble. So yes, it's challenging, but I really believe there are solutions.
0: Uh, I believe there's solutions, but I don't think they're going to come out of political committees. I think they're going to come out of leaders that want to make decisive decisions and at no point in time have I seen anyone say, well, what's the number one problem in our homeless community while well, we have a lack of housing? No, that's not really it. Well, housing's too expensive. Oh, well, that's not really it either. It's drug addiction. And we should be telling the government, look. We in the community don't have the ability to to stop the drug cartels. We can't bust the drug houses ourselves. We as neighborhoods can make complaints about those drug houses that are selling to the homelessness uh, epidemic that we see, you know, as zombies walking away from these houses where they purchase these drugs. We have to have the government do it. And it was interesting to see in Jay Inslee's supplemental budget for the session coming up, a $64 million spend towards some of this uh, fentanyl crisis. And of that $64 million, only, I think it was $2.7 million is going to be spent on law enforcement. But it didn't say law enforcement to stop the drug trafficking. It was to have law enforcement track drug trafficking.
1: Well, and you're absolutely right. And this is going to come up in this session. You talked about the legislative session, January 8th through March 7th. Jenny Graham has an excellent bill that she has put on the table, 1876, I think it is, 1879. And this is a bill to audit homeless programs in the state because she and many others want to know, We're spending millions of dollars. Is this money being effectively spent? What programs are working and what are not working? Show us your outcomes. Show us how the money's being spent. Show us the receipts for what you're doing. We need to be evaluating our programs to see what's working. Well, we want to
0: help people, but we also don't want to hurt people. We tax people into poverty while helping people supposedly in poverty. We know that we've spent at least on each homeless individual counted in our state, we know that we've spent at least the average or double the average household income. So we're talking six figures per homeless individual, and that's not including all the other state subsidies and things that we're pouring into these people. And I think in, in government, this project on finding out what we're spending on the homelessness uh, issue should proliferate through the rest of government. Why do things cost so much when government's involved? And how do we have processes put in place for our legislators, policymakers, the bureaucrats to come up with ways so that taxpayers can still afford to raise their families while funding government to help those in need? And I I obviously think that drugs is a big portion of that for the homeless community, but also looking at auditing the, the homeless nonprofits and providers, you look at the amount we're spending per individual, I kind of hate the word sustainable because it's it's kind of a, I don't know, a cuss word politically now because we always hear that and nothing ever happens. It it, it just gets more expensive. The sustainability, I guess, in the future for the taxpayer is government has to figure out a way to stay within its budgets. You know, the supplemental budget is a huge growth in, in government. Yet again, even though we had a record state budget passed last year, the supplemental budget should have been giving tax dollars back to the working families of Washington, not asking for more.
1: Absolutely. And the amounts of money I saw that the state is going to get like a $400 million grant. And again, I just, I fault the public and I I fault both sides of the aisle because we just don't see the accountability. You used that word accountability. We just don't see it on any side where they will tell us what is working. It's just like an education, I'm an educator, I have a master's degree in education, and when we were in college they would say, well, you've got to be evaluating your teaching, and how effective is, are your teaching skills? And they talked constantly about evaluating, and then when I got into the field, nobody evaluated anything. It's such yeah. a shock to, to get out of college where you have all these ideals. and. I remember I thought, okay, well, I'm going to evaluate myself. So I gave all my students an evaluation sheet, and they were just brutal. I mean, it was awful. I mean, I was a new teacher and the kids had me nailed to the wall and I had bad habits and I wasn't getting their homework corrected and back and they just tore me apart. It was painful.
0: Yeah, that is. Well, self-reflection is easier maybe, and that's a hard thing to do. But yeah. Yeah, to ask teenagers. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, they'll opinion. tell you. They will well, tell you well, what's wrong with their education
1: e- system, but whoever right. asks them. Well,
0: well, they'll tell you even though you don't ask. So, Right? <laughs> <laughs> Those teenagers, I, you know, teenagers know everything. And then, you know, when they turn 30 – they'll come and ask you questions about what they should know.
1: Well, it was good for me. I mean, it made me a better teacher and I shaped up right away because, you know, I realized that that they were right about a lot of the things that they evaluated me on. So, again. Well, the good
0: students have expectations, <laughs> you know. And, and that's the thing working with, I've worked with children much younger for a couple of decades with my wife. And parents were shocked that we didn't have problems with all these kids, you know, in our childcare. We had expectations and it's amazing how children will meet and exceed expectations if they know there is one. And then they also can feel good about meeting those expectations so they can have a goal for themselves that they're successful in reaching. And I think that's the problem with our government. That's the problem with our government programs is there's no expectation. There's no goal and there's no self-reflection, no standard of, of, I feel like I met that standard. I met that expectation and now I can go to the next place. Well, the place we have to go now is a break. We're going to take a break. We're going to be right back again with Cindy Zapataki, president of Citizens Alliance for Property Rights, and also bringing you a prayer guide for Washington government. And it's going to be up on our website soon at rightspokaneperspective.com. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on this second day of the year. This is our second opportunity this year to wake up and try to wake up the citizens around us and pray for the citizens around us and pray for our government. And, you know, we all come into the year with these resolutions that, you know, we're going to buy a better car or we're going to lose some weight or we're going to eat healthier, whatever those resolutions are. We need to just remind ourselves that it's our job every single day to be resolved in doing the right thing with what's put in front of us every day and part of that is praying god needs recognition that we're following him and in following him we have to look at the world around us look into our own our own self reflection our spirit the spirit of the the community around us and pray that God's will be done. And so that's what we're going to talk about some more with Cindy Zapataki here in the studio with us today, a prayer guide for Washington government. So a little bit more on on that guide and where it came from.
1: Well, uh, in my many travels, I have made friends in Idaho in the policy-making sphere and one of them is Melanie Vanderfear. She has been very active in the Republican Party over there. She has been a state committee woman and she's been a leader for a long time of their statewide prayer group. So as part of that, she and a group of people developed a prayer guide for the legislature in Idaho. And she had, for many years, told me how effective that was. They saw tremendous changes in their legislators and their attitudes. And so they do these prayer guides every year and they get them out as far as they can. They get them to every church leader, to private people. They carry them around with them and they hand them out. And they ask people to pray for legislators. And these guides have all the names of all the senators. There's 49 senators and there's 98 representatives and their names are in this prayer guide. And then they have some prayer points. So I can read you some of those prayer points that she came up with, with her group. So the first one is, Lord, reveal yourself to Washington government leaders and bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9 through 10. Each one has a scripture. Number two, protect them and their families from harm and give them good health. Psalm ninety one. Number three, grant them wisdom to make laws that honor the Lord, protect the people's inalienable rights, and adhere to their proper role in government. Number four, expose any areas of inconsistency in their thinking and reveal truth to them. Number five, lead them into fullness of your plan for them. Number six, let them acknowledge a holy fear of the Lord. And finally, number seven, pray for leaders who will uphold biblical standards of righteousness to be voted in, and the removal of the godless and unjust from positions of authority. So people are not confined to those prayer points. But no, those are
0: all good prayer points. I I've, I think each one's powerful, and I want to add a prayer point, actually. One of the prayer points is that we should be praying for our enemies, but also if they are going to be doing things that are harmful to the people of our state, that their um, legislation, that their groups that have come together on these bills are, are confused. And, and that's one of the things in the Bible. I forget which story it was, but they, they prayed for their enemies confusion and that confusion kept them from succeeding in, in dastardly things. And I think that we should pray for that, but we should also pray that the leaders in our legislature that are successful, they're successful because they create their own prayer groups. I remember when the legislature used to do that. They would have prayer groups, and I know they still do on a limited basis, but it used to be prayer before each legislative session. I know that you were the chair of the local Spokane County GOP. There was prayer before every meeting, and folks, I know, we don't need to be – too you know down on people but it's god before country you do prayer before the flag i know that we've seen those mistakes before and you got to tell the people afterwards so they don't repeat that mistake you know but if you have that prayer before the meeting and you pray for wisdom and you pray for clarity and you pray for uh peace you know that that you come together you're debating tif- difficult issues that the outcome of these sessions these meetings and the policies is positive and so It changes the feel of a meeting. So I I think we should pray that the legislature or the portions of the legislature that are successful in their endeavors are those that pray.
1: Well, and it isn't just Christians that pray, you know.
0: (laughs) Well, it was interesting a few years ago to see Democrats and Republicans and some of those folks in there, you know, they're not necessarily Christian are engaging in these prayer groups and then going to pass legislation. And some of them, actually kind of turned on their own policies because they saw maybe wisdom. That well, they got wisdom. There.
1: And, you know, Jews pray. I've prayed with Jews. I've prayed with Buddhists. I've prayed with Muslims. And I remember when my dad was passing away in 1995, I drove from uh, Wenatchee over to the other side, and I stopped at McDonald's in North bend in the middle of the night. And the manager of the McDonald's was a Muslim guy. And he saw that I had been crying and he came over to my table. I got a cup of tea and I was just resting. And he said, can I pray with you? It was such a moving time, and he gave a wonderful prayer. So again, we have a lot in common with people that pray or meditate, but it's an attitude of humbleness and an attitude of wanting wisdom and wanting to work with other people who are like-minded, who want, again, a safe and moral community.
0: Yeah, well, and and I think about that too, working with, people of like mind. And I've lived my life watching different denominations, you know, just turn on each other. And I think it's really funny because I've listened to some of the stuff Tucker Tucker Carlson puts out. And I think he's uh, Pentecostal. Is that right? So he, he totally is down on his own you know, past religious activities that, you know, oh, wow, I had no idea that you guys could actually read the Bible, you know. And so it's just hilarious. And, and I, But I see that in all the denominations, and then they like, wow, I don't know, that's a Catholic, I don't know, that's a, you know, and they, they point out the different theologies. And the thing is, is that what we're fighting for politically here isn't a theocracy, it's the opposite of. But it's our ability to have that First Amendment right, to meet, to gather, to pray, to have a governance that represents the people. And, and I think that that's across the board, any religion, any person of faith, even if, if the person doesn't prescribe to a specific religion, they're just a person of faith, that they would want a future for their children that is filled with promise instead of poverty where we're headed.
1: Absolutely. And you know, our responsibility clearly in biblical teaching is to love our neighbors. And it's not loving to allow your neighbors to be in poverty ridden areas of this city where they become no-go areas for police work and for peace. When you have drive-by shootings in one area of town where children on playgrounds are at risk, it's a concern of all of us. Because Absolutely. we love our neighbors, and we love the people in our community, and we do need to work together, no matter if it's in our neighborhood or not.
0: Well, and praying for our neighbors, that's another thing that we should do. You know, we we see this uh, growing elderly population. We should check on our neighbors. My son has bumper stickers that say check on your friends because of the suicide rating uh, amongst youngsters. And so we we should have that love for our fellow man and that's not a gender specific term necessarily but we sh- we should care about those areas the other thing about neighbors is good fences make good neighbors it doesn't mean you can't go knock on their door and check on them all the time it just means you have your own privacy and you know when we are talking about you know big issues like the southern border well there there's nothing against mexico we want them to have a sovereign country too but good fences make good neighbors
1: Well, boundaries. And this is one of the problems that I've seen with many homeless people. I have known alcoholics. I have known drug addicts. And having them in your home when they're not well is very difficult. We all know that. It's difficult to live with people who are out of control and angry and hurting. And so there have to be boundaries if we're going to be able to clean up our community and have some standards, and have it be a, a safe and healthy, clean place for everyone.
0: That's right. Well, and we talked about praying for wisdom, and I think maybe maybe take baby steps. Let's let's pray for common sense. Let's not paint uh, bike lanes over potholes. You know, there's, I mean, some common sense. We've talked about that on the show plenty in the past, but we should really be put not just prayer, but the other thing I think about prayer, when we pray, it's not just praying that God come in. And, and be the solution to everything. A lot of times, prayer leads us down a path that we should be taking as well because we want God to do something. Well, I guess I keep praying for this. It's time I meet God in the middle. So... Maybe I need to help educate my legislators. Maybe I need to help educate my city council. Maybe I need to do it in a loving way and not just be the guy that wants to go in and turn over the tables, but maybe a person that comes to the table and says, look, this is how it's going to affect our community. Instead of having the activists and those that are going to profit off of legislation be the only voice, our lawmakers here.
1: Well, I agree with you and that sort of points at the issue of repentance is there's a lot of repentance that we all need to do. We've all been angry, we've all lost our temper, we've all been discouraged and frustrated. And again, this is another reason that you pray and you calm down and you seek the Lord's healing in your own life. Take the plank out of your eye so that you can, you know, not criticize everyone else, but be careful of what your attitude is. You've you've alluded to that, and it's very true. That's the teaching of the Bible.
0: Yes, and well, and we have to, I think, visit things with humility because this common sense that we want to pray for, this wisdom that we want to pray for in our in our legislature, they're representing everyone. And the loudest voices they hear are. Are not ones of common sense or of wisdom, and so we have to be humble and and not be a know it all. Sometimes just go in with an open heart, and not necessarily an open mind. Sometimes you got to be careful around government in an open mind, but be willing to understand that they're facing difficult things, that they're being pushed in a direction of of bad policy, that it's inevitable that they're supposed to pass. But sometimes prayer and and urging that we actively do can turn those things around and we can see people do interesting things. I've seen this in the legislature before.
1: Well, I know you ran a bill. I remember when you ran that one bill you ran and it was voted on unanimously. And you worked with all kinds of people on that bill.
0: Yeah, I did. I worked with a lot of legislators and it was a bill that had a companion bill in the Senate and it was pretty amazing. I was asking the legislature to look at the wisdom of past legislators and just put basic building and fire code back in the hands of the people that are you know, best tasked with doing it at the local level and not have state agencies create alternative codes that conflict with local codes. And it was very simple. What was interesting is at first going into this, and I know that you and others were praying that we were able to get this across the finish line with the legislature. And of course the governor signed it into law uh, eventually, but we were met with huge consternation. They just, they hated the fact that we were going to get engaged in the ability of a state agency writing their own policies. And it's like, uh, well, we're citizens. You work for us. And man, they did not like hearing that. And, and it was, but it was basic. it was like, okay, you can't have a building code that doesn't work in our region. You know, the West side has a lot of moisture. We don't, we don't need to have all this moss prevention on our roofs. You know, there's, there's all sorts of local things that that have to happen at the local level because we have different regions, different needs, different codes. And you guys want to rewrite this stuff. Well, now you've got us doing things that violate our local codes that make sense. And they just wanted the power To do what they wanted to do and that's one of the other things that we should really be praying against is this desire for power we we should be praying against that evil
1: well it's not wise i mean you you need to listen to people to come up with solutions and a lot of times those solutions come from unexpected sources and if we don't listen to each other and we're shouting at each other i don't believe that's a good way to make policy
0: No, it's not. Well, and I think that if we just take the advice of a friend, sometimes that's not the best place to get advice from because the friend doesn't want to give you the advice you need. They want to give you the advice you want to hear. So we need to seek advice. Good advice from those who might be critical, those who might just look at the the most important aspect of what solution and outcome we're looking for. That's the people we should be looking for advice. And our legislature is not getting that. That's why they need to get it from us. They need to get it from us through prayer. So here in a couple of weeks, go look up a prayer guide for Washington government on rightspokaneperspective.com. And let's pray and not only pray, but also use our feet our telephones, and our computers, and contact, encourage our legislators. Let's not just attack them. Let's encourage them to do the right thing. When we see them do the right thing, give them a pat on the back and a prayer to God, thanking for his intercessions where he does in this legislative session. Again, January 8th to March 7th, our legislature's in session. Hold on to your wallets and your children and pray. Do the right thing. All that being said, we will be with you folks again tomorrow. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.